Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the Grafters podcast. We actually remembered what number episode yes. it was this week, which doesn't normally happen. No, we have to check every single week. <laughs> um, but yes, this week we have an amazing person with us to discuss counselling, mental health and the difference between a counsellor and a coach. And this amazing guy is Luke and he is a member at Graft House and he's been here for, how long have you been here for now? I think just over, oh, just under a year. Yeah, okay. Amazing. Yeah, um, fantastic little gym. Yeah. Well, it's not so little anymore. No, so no, no. Getting bigger all the getting time. Bigger. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're getting a new gym kit tomorrow as well. <laughs> oh, in fact, that's what, that would be the news. And oh, yeah. Our gym's getting a little bit of um, a kit out, so we've got a new hip thrust. We've got a seventh. Seventh. I can't even speak. <laughs> seventh. Squat rack coming in, yeah. and some more 15 kilo bars and everything like that. It's a real breath of fresh air to be in a gym that actually continues to develop rather than staying as it is and stagnating and just letting everything break down. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks to those guys. Yeah, investing in the gym, we love it. Um, but yes, Luke is currently training to be a counsellor, so we're going to have an amazing conversation today about counselling, um, his journey, what he's learning and how um, his training is actually helping him with um, mental health in general and how it helps us all and then we're just going to go from there and yeah, discuss... Better be amazing after that. Yeah. <laughs> discuss the difference between coaching and counselling. So... <laughs> let's get started just by talking about your journey as training to be a counsellor and so let's just start off with your one of your main reasons as to why you wanted to train to be a counsellor okay Uh, so my background is quite diverse I went to college um, to do a diploma in photography yeah now there are two sides to that course. Yeah. There was the side where you would um, be taught how to be commercial and do weddings. Yeah. And then you would get a quirky tutor in who would talk to you about the psychology of, um, of photography. Mm. And um, I was quite interested in more of the emotional connection that people had with photographs. Yeah. So what do they mean as an object? Um, what do they mean within the society that they exist? And then I went to university and I did a joint honours in education studies and visual arts. Because um, I couldn't quite say goodbye to the creativity, yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted something that I could do as a, as a career. Yeah. Um, I learned more into the visual arts side. Um, a lot of my work was very meaningful, it was very yeah. much from me and took, um, took a place of healing yeah. in my life. So if I was feeling really angry that day or really or chill and I wanted to celebrate, I would um, create some artwork. That reflected yeah. that, yeah, 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 okay. And then, um, so quite diverse already, really, yeah, kind yeah. of following a kind of philosophical, emotional route. Yeah. Um, then I worked abroad for three years, uh, being an educator. Amazing. And um, Where was that when you were working abroad? Was it in various countries or um, just, just one? Yeah, I worked in China. Oh wow! Spain and Germany. Okay, I think those will be in all three podcasts. Uh, yes. Already, so definitely repeat appearance already. So yes. I have some good stories, that's yes. for sure. Um, and actually, I was in Spain 
on a bus going home because I just lived just outside of Madrid. Yeah. And um, I thought, I'm not too happy. I want to know what I want to do for the whole of my life as a millennial would. <laughs> yeah. Get a nice, really cushy job and... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> chill. Sit back for the rest of your life, it'll be great. Yeah. Don't be a coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I wanted to become a counsellor. Yeah. Uh, my experience throughout university was a really good one. Mm. But I suffered from mental ill health. Mm. And... I had about three years worth of counselling. Yeah. I was scared to death. My first session was scared to death. Yeah. Watching films um, that would portray mental hospitals in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, really scared me. So it was the most bravest day of my life to admit to myself as well that I needed some help and yeah. support. Yeah. So I went to it. And it was not what I expected at all. Yeah. Um, I thought if I mentioned anything too serious, they might put me in handcuffs and I'll be in a padded room. Yeah. It was not the case. I, I was just going through a lot of stuff that nobody talks about on the social level. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was one counsellor that I had that helped me the most. He was just sitting in his house and he was friendly, kind. Um, and that's when I thought counselling really does help people yeah if it could help me yeah yeah. (laughs) help anyone yeah I love that and I think a lot of personal trainers get that as well don't they where like for whatever reason the coach might have impacted them when they were growing up or whatever you come into contact with someone particularly just like oh I want to now change people's lives through fitness and health absolutely and I think with me I tried to um, avoid Avoid. I tried to deal with issues by just going to the gym. Yeah. Um, as a young man, um, I mean, I, I didn't have. I, I was a strange child in that I sta- started training when I was 12, 13. Yeah. Uh, I remember on uh, just before my 13th birthday, on Christmas Day, um, going upstairs after the Christmas meal to just uh, do my workout that day because I didn't want to skip it and, and things oh, really? like that. Oh, mm. really? Yeah, absolutely. And then. Because training is an amazing thing, it's not a cure or panacea to, to mental problems. Yeah. And like, these problems stayed with me until, like, I, I can't remember how old I was. Um, but then I ended up having counselling between 19 and yeah. 20, and I think I had that for around six months, and that was one of the most useful times in my life. It was, yeah. um, to, to go into a little bit of um, detail, when yeah. I was 18 and 19, I typed in conspiracy into YouTube, and I'd never considered that anything might be different in the world. Yeah. And basically, long story short, for about two years, I was convinced I was going to be abducted by aliens. Um, I didn't have any like confidence in anything. I didn't believe in like the reality that was around, and it was a combination of reading and counselling that, that got me through that. And I was at this crossroads where I would choose either um, counselling or yeah. I would choose coaching. And for me, having already been lifting for eight years, I thought I'll go down that route. But it was something that I definitely felt a calling towards. It's just yeah. that I had more experience on the coaching side. I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, well, it's interesting though, because well, I, I I never knew that 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 was your journey when you was younger. But um, 
when me and Luke spoke, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, we were talking about stigmas around counselling and, you know, having that bravery to step up to going to a counsellor the first time. So did, did you experience that the first time round in terms of you going to a counsellor? And did you have any fears behind it or have you have any negative stereotypes towards it or a fear of just talking to somebody about everything? So for me, <laughs> I always wanted to be someone that led by example and someone that was a kind of teacher um, or if you will and that and, and at that age there was no reason for me to think like that so what I, I never thought of it that way I never thought that someone would be disappointed in me for doing that yeah I wasn't openly telling everyone about it but it was something that I was very willing to do yeah um, because I wanted to tell other people about it if it worked yeah so I kind of went into it like kind of blanks I didn't have that many friends anyway I didn't have this like big group of people that might judge me and um, I was just kind of dealing with things myself because I bottled it up so I never really knew about any kind of stigma um, I, I did I, I think this is some that we might even get into um, I felt guilty more because I'd had a good childhood ah okay that I still had issues I think rather than it being peer pressure, I mm. felt guilty that I'd had a great childhood, like no one had hit me, no, nothing like that, yeah. um, and I still had issues and still had things that I needed to, to deal with, um, and I think a lot of um, people in this society feel that way, yeah. specifically at a certain age, but again, we've got to start Yeah, yeah, okay, that's really interesting. And then just thinking back to your journey, actually what I wanted to ask you, Luke, was, um, from training to be a counsellor now, can you relate back to any moments of when you were um, seeing a counsellor, any sort of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say techniques as such, but any moments where you sort of, you was working on, working through a particular um, pattern of thinking and then you've now learned about it and you're like, oh, that's actually that moment in my life when I was doing X. Like, have you noticed any correlations from what you're studying to what you experienced? Absolutely. Um, so some people talk about having an inner counsellor. Yeah. So when someone's gone to counselling for a year or more, they might have um, a voice in their head that it's like, uh, you know that teacher, what would Jesus do? Yeah. It's <laughs> I like, remember that. <laughs> what would my counsellor say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's the other aspect of it. Yeah. Counselors are not necessarily um, masters on life. Mm-hmm. I think coaching and personal training, you see, oh, that person is physically active in the gym, I want to approach them, they're doing their work. Mm-hmm. Counselors do do that. I mean, you know, we, we have to have our own personal counseling yeah. and our own personal supervision. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very different. Um, relationship Um, we're not no one can master life yeah and uh, just like as he was saying you know he was growing up that's a difficult time for everyone yeah (laughs) Yeah. and things seem a bit weird sometimes you don't quite understand what's going on you don't have to be mentally unwell to go to see a counsellor we all have these existential questions or Mm kind of we're not sure about what life is yet yeah it's very natural i think so the only thing that would bring someone to a counselor 
dinner criteria, if you will, is that you have a problem in life. And that can be anything. Yeah. That can be suffering from schizophrenia day to day, or that can just be, I don't cry as much as I think I should. Yeah. Or um, I think that aliens are going to abduct me. Yeah. Um, just to get a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can be really beneficial for anybody, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think one of the most powerful things that my counsellor said to me was, look, you're not broken. This isn't something that you're cursed with. There's, there's strategies to think around this. There's, yeah. You know, this isn't something that's a deficiency in you. These are questions that everyone has you just need a route through mm. those questions in order to, to navigate them from there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing to bring up as well because I think no matter what anyone is going through, ultimately with maybe this self-talk of your inner counsellor or your maybe your inner saboteur, depending on where you are in your journey, can lead towards you convincing yourself that there is something wrong with you or that you're broken because you have a particular pattern of thinking or whatever self-talk is going on and I think that's partly why it's so powerful to get another perspective from somebody else because you need to be having that opportunity to explain what it is that's going on internally for someone to help you sort of reflect that back in you and be like that's compartmentalise it that, that's normal and you sort of like oh okay <laughs> so you feel mm -hmm. a bit um, not so that you feel alien yourself but sometimes you can alienate yourself with the thoughts that you have yeah I, I was definitely withdrawing myself further and further away from life until mm. um, the counsellor stepped in it wasn't just because of the alien thing that I was um, talking to the counsellor there was many many other reasons mm. but because of the, the strategies and the, the inner counselling voice that I could have yeah. it meant that I could navigate much bigger problems than I had at the time that I was having cancer later down the line. Yeah. But it allowed me to differentiate between depression and sadness, for example. And yeah. I, and I see that as very big in my mind. There's, there's, I, I see a definite distinction between a cloud that was following me around constantly for no reason and a, a big natural batch of sadness. I, I see those two as very separate parts of my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And it was having a cancer that allowed me to to kind of discover that and without that I definitely don't think I would be the coach I am today yeah. if that makes sense. I'm just rambling on now. No, no, I love it. I love it. That makes perfect sense to me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because there is a difference between sadness and a cloud of depression. Mm -hmm. Some people refer to it as a, as a black dog. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, I did want to bring this up actually because I did research and um, I think it was an Australian website where they're basically talking about how rather than um, identifying somebody as a depressed person as their like identity, you are discussing the bout of depression as the black dog. But anyway, continue what you're going to say, sorry, <laughs> with the black dog. I'd like to hear more about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so from what I've researched, um, there's no one way to be a counsellor. Mm -hmm. we, can, we can be guides, we can be a companion. All kinds of relationships can happen within the counselling room. Although it should be noted that I believe that you should find a counsellor that's accredited. So if you see their name and they have the words BACP, for example, um, or any other professional body, they will have some ethics to uh, to um, to employ within the room. Okay. So you're not getting someone that wants you to be 
their son because that would be helpful, you know, yeah. that's a big red flag. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But we do have some flexibility in how we approach clients. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from what what builds me, or is building me as a counsellor, is um, ideas. Yeah. One of those ideas is that emotions have a meaning. Mm. They, they drive us to take action. So that's the difference between depression and sadness. Sadness will drive action. That might be uh, you visiting a, uh, a lost one um, at the graveyard, for example, mm. or that might be crying when you need to. Yeah. Um, sadness can bring many, many beautiful things into our lives as well. Mm. Now, depression um, can serve a purpose. Um, I've read that you know, when we were, well, cavemen, I guess, Yeah. that something bad would happen. Maybe you got ostracized from your group for a week or something. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to go inside, get warm, and hide yourself from the world for a bit just to, just to think over what's happened. Yeah. And then eventually, eventually you'll come out. Yeah. So some people do experience depression and sadness for, you know, a few days or, or whatever, have you? Mm. There's no number. But um, if it feels like a cloud and you don't have a reason for that cloud, it can stay there. So counselling might help um, you bring that into your awareness. Mm -hmm. What's happening here? Mm -hmm. How can I move on? Or sit with it for as long as it needs to sit there with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this may be the very first time anyone speaks about their emotions ever to anybody. Yeah. Um, and that can that can be really helpful in a safe environment uh, with someone that isn't going to judge you. Mm -hmm. That's one of the requirements, I believe, from the BACP. Could be wrong, but I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. And then um, let's talk about what you're studying right now, because I know before you mentioned um, you're looking into a particular idea of the different depths of um, someone as a whole person, and it's not just like a one-dimensional sort of way to health, it's multifaceted. So let's let's talk about that. Yeah, look at those eyes beaming, he loves this sort of stuff. <laughs> Well, you get like pop psychology now and again, mm -hmm. or um, people have abbreviated quite complex um, information. Yeah. Which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm sure in your profession there are elements of mind, body, and soul. Yeah. This is good. Um, for a counsellor, it might be an opportunity for that person to think more about their composition as a human being. Yeah. So I'm studying a theory at the moment that doesn't have mind, body and soul, it has seven layers, mm -hmm. which, are non, um, which are not a paradigm either. Uh, I'm trying to make this not complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> so for example, um, one level is our body. Mm -hmm. And how do we feel within our body? What problems? What what joys do we have with our body as well? Um, everyone likes a good nap on the couch and feel 
comfy, that's for sure. Yeah. Then we've got the uh, the emotional self, mm-hmm. um, which uh, should not be pushed down. Yeah, yeah, I was oppressed. <laughs> I've forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this theory has other things, mm-hmm. like um, it has something called transpersonal, which is just our spiritual side. And that can be anything from your religion to people that don't feel that spiritual but might have questions about life. Yeah. And their place in it in, in the world and how they feel when they see a sunset. You know, we all have this spiritual level, yeah. I, I believe. And we'll get into different layers like I think there's the nominative layer layer. I yeah. Think I could barely say it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm still studying it. Yeah. I think that is um, how we understand the world, um, which is touching upon uh, what you said earlier. Going to a counselor, having these thoughts that might be a bit different to other people's understanding of the world. Yeah. Um, and then you have the normative layer, which is what society tells us we should be. Okay. Or what what our society is doing around us, how we fit into it. Yeah. How we don't fit into it. Yeah. So that's what that's how I'm making sense of the client. Yeah, okay. And, and of myself. We are all whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though you might feel broken. Yeah. Yeah. And this might be the first time where you see yourself through the eyes of somebody else that's treating you like you're a whole person. Yeah. Because they believe that. Mm. Yeah. We wouldn't be counsellors lying to you. People yeah. don't get into the profession for that. They are honest. Yeah. And they believe what they do. Um, that can do a lot for a person. Yeah. Yeah. So, not many people... Um, well, you have friends and family. They can support you. Yeah. They may judge you at times and that's not what a counsellor would do mm. so if you're experiencing that that might be a good avenue to go to counselling yeah yeah um and also someone that sees you on these levels sees you as a person that is whole yeah or sees you as a person that is trying to make sense of the world and then you start to build up yourself a bit yeah and, and like i'm becoming a whole person yeah mm-hmm. so in your experience, is it difficult to get someone who hasn't often ex- expressed their emotions to feel like the room that the counselling is happening in is a safe place? Is that quite a difficult thing to achieve as a counsellor? Um, so for example, your first session with a counsellor will always be, uh, you'd hope anyway, ethically, it should be the counsellor talking about their approach. Mm-hmm in a language that you can understand. So you're like, oh, th- I, I know this person better now. I know what they're trying to do here with mm-hmm. me today, so it's not weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's not unspoken. Yeah. It's out in the open. And then um, you'd go through a contract, which isn't the scary kind of uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> contract. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that talks about boundaries and ethics. So you would talk about... Um, how much the how much you'll be paying if paying at all? Mm. How often you'll see that person and how long for in the session? Mm-hmm. Um, which is something you don't get from your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, quite healthy boundaries, especially in this in this um, instance. 
but then you might talk about uh, ethics. So a counsellor may say to you, the only time I'll break confidentiality is if you're a danger to yourself or to another person. So you can relax back if you're not a murderer or anything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I can actually talk about anything and it'll be, um, it'll be respected and kept confidential. Yeah. Which is another dimension of the relationship you might have not had in your life. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you'd hope. Well, there are different. There are different counselors. Yeah. Some are very cold and uh, scientific, and you might not feel very pleasant towards them. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I think I think with the cat, I definitely thrived with my counselor because we had a rapport that he. I there was a trust there, a, a trust that wasn't based on any science it wasn't but it was based on how we communicated the ethics yeah he did talk about the contract he did um, he explained all his methods um talks about his friends talk, not naming names or anything like that but he came across as very warm and very human yeah um, and that made me realize that i could talk and that it was a safe place so rather than it being about a specific methodology that he was going to use it was more someone that I could talk to her and it wouldn't just be judgment coming back. Yeah. And then everything kind of went from there. So. Yeah, it does peel back a layer, doesn't it, when you go yeah, through that yeah, process? Exactly. Yeah. Because you're vulnerable. Yeah. And you're not going to be vulnerable mm. with someone that is cold towards you. Yeah. You might, you, you might not ever want to cry in front of that person. Yeah. And where does that leave the client? Yeah. I think this has, sorry to in, interrupt you there, um, I think this has a big carryover to what good personal training should be mm. as well. I think when people are coming up onto the gym floor for the first time, like, you know, they're going to be sweaty in front of someone, they're going to be in compromising positions in front of someone, mm. they're going to not know how to use particular pieces of equipment. Yeah. Um, and I believe in making that rapport between people saying, You've never been in a gym before, so what you're going to do is you're going to feel scared and you're going to feel nervous going up to this cannonball with a handle that is a kettlebell. Yeah. Uh, and if you can't do a particular movement, I'm not going to laugh at you. Yeah. Um, we're going to just take a step back and we're going to build up um, strategies to deal with this kettlebell rather than some kind of, I don't know, emotional trauma or some question that they have. Yeah, life. yeah. Um, so I think there's, I think there's a lot of carry over there. I don't know if you want to go into the difference between a, a counsellor and a coach now or if you want to address that question a little bit later. Yeah, no, that, I think it's a really good time to actually because I, you have made a really good point there where as soon as a client comes through the door or whenever we sort of take on a client it is the case of we peel back that layer but we'll make sure they feel as comfortable as possible so that when they do step on, onto the gym floor that you know they, they don't feel you know uneasy or mm -hmm. anxious and we're making it a safe place yeah 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 or a safe shit can be lifting everywhere yeah yeah absolutely and i think ultimately what sometimes happens is actually if you've built so much rapport with a client and they feel very close to you because you've been training them for however long sometimes it might actually be the case that they open up about a lot of things that maybe they should be talking to a counsellor about but because they trust you know they, they're telling us and we're having a conversation about it. So I think sometimes there is, there is a very fine line of, it's a, it's a fine dance between 
personal trainer and counsellor because you don't want to give them advice on what's going on, but equally you don't want to ignore what they're what they're saying. Yeah. Um, so it would be interesting to sort of hear your perspective on when clients have opened up. You know, have you have you had moments where you've been like, okay, cool, like take it on board, but maybe not impart your advice, but but just say this is what I would do. Like, what's your experience of doing that? With I think it's it's very hard. Um to stay within your scope of practice yeah when people say particular things um so there's been times when clients have openly said that they've had suicidal thoughts yeah uh, and things of that nature and that's something where what i've done in that situation is said a counsellor would be a, a good idea here um but then i would go into my own experiences with that so Again, 18 and 19, I'd go to the train stations. I don't know if I've ever said this on uh, in public, but um, like I'd be at the train station and I'd just think, I could just jump in front of this train and everything would be just fine. Yeah. No one would care. And, and people would have cared. And it was it was a different... It was a, I see it as a different me yeah. um, at the time. I, I, I see it as almost outside of me, if, if that makes sense. Um, so what I try and do is just... Put myself across in a in a very human way, in a very honest way, so that I I am vulnerable too, and I want to show them that that it's okay, and that I share their similar experiences. Yeah. And that's what I'll try and do. I'll try to empathise. I won't just oh, I'm so sorry. Won't be like that. I'll try and relate my own experiences as similarly as possible. Yeah. Without. I don't know, belittling their experiences as well, you know yeah, what I mean? I'm, so that, I'm always very cautious to yeah. make sure I don't step out of my scope of practice. I don't know if you've had a similar experience. Uh, yeah, actually. Um, there's been occasions where clients have opened up and not, not they, they never really opened up to get an answer. They open up because you're just a person that they they respect and trust and, and they you're in front of and you're in front of them when they're in a vulnerable position yeah, exactly. where you've already seen them really sweaty you've seen the faces that they pull when they're doing a hip thrust and I think yeah <laughs> if they're willing to be in front of you doing that often i think they'll share various other personal truths about themselves as well yeah 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 absolutely and i think um touching from that in terms of clients choosing to open everything and i, I guess that just that's, that's part of being a great person trainer is that they, that they actually feel comfortable enough to open up about whatever mm-hmm. because it, there's been many there's been a session before where they just wanted to have a chat we like 15 minutes in just burst into tears on the gym floor and they're obviously just not in a great place to train however i'm like right okay let's just let's just go into the um pt room and let's just have a chat and it's it's not that yeah. I'm giving them advice or anything, but they they just get everything that they want off their chest. And sometimes them doing that and me listening, they've actually solved the problem themselves. Absolutely. And then they walk yeah, away yeah, like a huge weightlift off their chest, and yeah. then they have a clearer head when they leave. As as long as people leave feeling much better than when they walked in, you know that's that's the main aim. My worry is how long does it make them take them to get back to that position where they're feeling that way again so i would yeah. be able to provide them with the coping strategies there so what i would tend to do with a person there would be to to book in like a little sit down every couple of weeks just to talk about stuff but i guess my my question um for luke would be um, at what point would you recommend a pt would give a referral 
uh, at what point are they stepping out of their scope of practice, in your opinion? Yeah, so um, there's a difference between counselling someone and using counselling skills. Mm. What you guys have just shared with me is more on the counselling skills level, showing empathy, yeah. giving them a space to share without giving them advice. Mm. Um, which I think a lot of people feel if, if they have a, an upset friend, you want to give them advice. Yeah. Counsellors will very rarely, if at all, give you advice. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting into why counselling works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in person centred counselling, because there are different models and different types of counsellors, um, this is, I, I think person centred is quite common. That's when you typically get a very warm counsellor. The theory behind it is that they give you the conditions in which to grow. Yeah. Like a plant. They are giving you sun. They are giving you earth, nutrients, time, water. And it's almost like a facilitation of that person's growth yeah. rather than a direct... you. You stand here, you lift these weights, you get paid or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to say magic happens because that is mystifying it. Yeah. You don't need to know everything that that counsellor knows to grow. And it's like trusting the process, which is kind of a, like a crossover to you guys. Yeah. Mm. Um, and now you get two different kinds of counsellors. Uh, two different kinds of of counselling, I guess. Yeah. So one would be a therapeutic alliance, which is what you would get from uh, cognitive behavioural therapy or CBT. Ah, okay. So you feel that person isn't necessarily cold, but they are working with you to do activities and they might give you in homework. If you don't yeah. like that word, they'll make a better one. Like yeah. Home activities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's when you might feel more that you're getting a coach experience. Yeah. Uh, the other is a therapeutic um, relationship. Mm. So you heal, or whatever that means to you, with that counsellor because they're giving you those correct conditions to grow in. Yeah. Um, I think people can often feel actually having one hour a week just to talk, sit, sit down and talk about problems can be yeah. healing enough. Yeah. And um, it doesn't just have to be healing that you're in search for. It can be a myriad of benefits that, mm. I mean, it's called client-centered for a reason. Yeah, yeah. You can go in and say to your counselor, I feel really joyful today. I've had no one to celebrate with, so I'm a bit sad. Mm but I have this energy to celebrate. It doesn't have to be negative all the time. Yeah. It be a celebration of your life and where you are at this moment. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a, I really and, like that. And not being able to kind of express those. I'd never have considered it being about um, not being able to express positive emotions and, mm. and that positive aspect yeah. to counselling. That's, that's, really, that's a really poignant thing. Yeah. Yeah, and to address your question a bit more closely, um, if someone is saying to you, I have suicidal feelings, um, that can be a bit of a red flag. 
many people have them mm-hmm. and um, I would argue that it's quite normal throughout your lifespan to have, have them at some point of your life. Yeah. Um, but when that happens, that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. That might be a good time to refer someone on yeah. to a counsellor. Yeah, yeah. That, that, situ- that did absolutely happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, sorry, can I? And it can be a bit of a, it can be a bit scary as a personal trainer to hear that. Very much. I was, because, I was very scared. You know, how do you cope as a personal trainer with hearing someone presenting quite um, challenging experiences that they're going through? Um, what I'd probably recommend, even though I'm a student, yeah. and it should be taken with a pinch of salt, <laughs> generally maybe give them, if you think they're, go- they're going to react well, or even if, Maybe you should just do it anyway. But maybe give them a card with the Samaritan's number on. Mm-hmm. There is um, resources online that you can get from your GP about all of the mental health um, services that go on. Mm-hmm. I believe Leeds offer a crisis centre. Mm-hmm. So if you are in crisis, you can go there and maybe chat to a counsellor, maybe mm-hmm. stay, stay the night, I believe. Yeah. And that would be different wherever you are in England. Yeah. Um, going to a GP as well is a really good thing to do mm-hmm. um, they may be able to offer you all kinds of things not just medication they might offer you counselling they may offer something called social prescribing mm-hmm. which is when they offer things that are not necessarily counselling but very therapeutic mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it happens with PTs you might, you might get socially prescribed to a gym or oh, a, the exercise referrals, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or maybe a group exercise outside, or mm. gardening, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, from my understanding, is that there isn't a referral process for you guys to go through, a formal one. No. No. And that might be quite a pertinent thing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That is being brought up right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite a serious thing, I, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. So for me, um, it was, I was listening to um, another podcast. Um, I can't actually remember what podcast it was, but I can, um, I can remember the person that mentioned it. It was um, a very well-known coach called Eric Helms um, of a company called 3D Muscle Journey. And they largely train um, natural bodybuilders and natural powerlifters. Natural meaning they're not on steroids um, or testosterone. Yeah, like, like, yeah, testosterone. Yeah, and uh, that, that whole other thing that I, I barely any understand on. And he was saying that in his company he has a counsellor um, or a, a therapist. I'm not actually sure um, off the top of my head what he called that professional. But it was someone that they could refer to if they had anyone that was struggling mentally if mm. they were struggling mentally and physically if yeah. that was the big red flag um, their thought processes and everything like that and that they could then go to and that got me thinking like, I don't know a personal trainer other than this guy who is based in New Zealand um, and online mm. um, that has a counsellor that can they can just refer to and I remember emailing lots of different counsellors lots of different therapists and not getting an email back from a few of them and then getting an email back and they're not they're not really understanding what personal training was and it never really ever got set up but I think it should be mandatory that every person so a personal yeah. trainer will refer to a physio without been thinking about because we've spoken about before where we've had like a within our remit of 
practice what falls outside of it. And we've yeah. talked about before, you know, having a physio or a masseuse, but actually, having... we, we see someone far more than a doctor would, a dentist would, a counsellor would, because not only um, are we seeing them for their personal training sessions, but they're logging sessions every single day, they're coming into the gym every single day, and we'll still see them across the gym yeah. when we're training other people. We have more access to that person if we're saying the wrong things to them when they're in the gym and they have a legitimate red flag or a big problem, then we could do far more harm than good, even though we're making their bodies healthier. Yeah, yeah. So I think that should change a lot of personal yeah. trainers. Yeah. I think there should be some regulation as well. I think so. Mm. Um, because you mentioned doing more harm than good. It's a difficult world to navigate. You're dealing with another human being. Yeah. yeah. I think um, when you see tears, Maybe it's time to refer, potentially. You don't want to be the cold PT, though. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely. crying right now. I'm uncomfortable. Here's a counsellor. Yeah, yeah. No, that would be very like... <laughs> I'm um, not doing with this shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be doing that. Um, I mean, to be honest, you can join a counselling skills course, which is, I think for me, it was about £40. Yeah. And that was about eight weeks. Yeah. I'm making a of that. Yeah. Um, might be a bit more expensive, <laughs> um, but that would give you the skills yeah. to hold them in that moment and then maybe refer on. And these are all questions you can bring to the person leading the course. Yeah. I am a personal trainer, when is it appropriate to hand this person over to a different professional? Yeah. Um, maybe that would be a recommendation I would make. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and for me personally, I, I haven't approached it in my own course, so they may just give me a nice answer for it. But I'm worried about where my client base is going to come from. Yeah. I think you guys can, it's less taboo. Do you want to lose some weight? Do you want to get strong? You might put that into your advertising. Yeah. But for a counsellor, it's a bit more taboo because of the the nature of mental health in this context is that you, do you want to be advertised to and being reminded of things or might bring up things for you? Are you depressed? Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to navigate that. How yeah. do you advertise as a counsellor? So referrals um, exist. Yeah. And um, if anything, it would really benefit everyone. Yeah. You know what? I th I, yeah. this, this just came to me now. I think a lot of people will get a personal trainer at the moment rather than getting a counsellor. In that they will think, like I did at the time, I'll just train it out. I'll just train it out. Yeah. And, and they will actually end up talking to the personal trainer about the issue mm -hmm. and trying to get a solution that way. Yeah. And that I think that strategy is always going to fall short mm -hmm. because... The personal trainer isn't, most personal trainers wouldn't be armed with the tools to give them the tools to deal with those yeah, problems, yeah. they would just be able to give advice. And quickly while you're making this really poignant point, let's go do another set. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm just going to... Almost uh, pushing it off yeah, and be like, like even if it's by accident, yeah, so you yeah. just told me you want to achieve all this, and then from there, so I think that would be another red flag yeah, as well. Okay. A personal trainer thinks that a person has come to them to deal with personal issues mm. um, more than just how the body looks or how the, yeah. um, the how strong the body is that would be somewhere the personal trainer should give 
a referral immediately, I think, and do yeah. it in a very tactful way, and they wouldn't be like, I'm not dealing with this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just being very empathetic, and I think that that comes in line with us being um, very aware of body language and someone's journey and getting to know them and recognising, you know, these red flags and then being able to say, look, um, you, you can talk to me yeah. about this, yeah. but from what you've told me so far, I'm here to support you, but I feel like getting another professional involved would really benefit you and help you push through what you feel like is most difficult right now. Um, but yeah, I think for sure, like getting some referral network in place where it is a, you know, something where we, we contact another professional when a red flag does come up yeah. and then actually from maybe us setting that referral link or already having it within our um, practice that we maybe, I don't know, we have like a website and we say that what we, what our referral links are to, it could be that... Yeah, I'll just have a section on the website saying our team, yeah, um, yeah. people we work with, or have some section on the frequently asked mm -hmm. questions like... Um, do you work with other professionals? Yes, we have therapists. We have all these kinds of people. If any red flags come up, yeah, the way, which they inevitably do because you know, life is hard and life has so many obstacles on the way. And again, I'm rambling. Yeah, on, but again, <laughs> get my point. Yeah, I have one last question for you, actually, Luke. So I wanted to ask you in you briefly spoke about before about the taboo of people wanting to go to a counsellor, maybe even talk about mental health. Um, do you have, well, what's your opinion on everyday people, you know, having issues with their mental health and what, what they can do to go about talking to somebody about it or how to actually build awareness on what it is they're experiencing, if that makes sense? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I said before, you don't need to see a counsellor just for your mental health. Mm -hmm. It can be, uh, holistically speaking, your spiritual health, yeah. your emotional health, your societal health. Um, these quite prevalent themes in all, in all societies. We mm -hmm. all have different problems on different levels of our being. Um, but people are very approachable. Um, if you know of a counsellor, book a session. Your first session is for you to sit there to, to find out what the counsellor is doing, what they believe. That is a demystifying aspect of your journey. Yeah. You can leave that session and um, feel free to do so if you don't think that, if you don't vibe very well with your counsellor. Yeah. Um, you don't, you're not contracted into anything, just taking that initial leap, that step. Mm. Uh, it could be a leap or a step. Yeah. Um, just to see how it feels. Yeah. But if you do find yourself, because there's a two-way process. Yeah. If you do find yourself taking up your PT's time with emotional uh, kind of thoughts and stuff like this, mm. you might want to consider seeing a counsellor because yeah. they don't have all the time in the world. Mm. It's not necessarily the safest place for you to express your emotions yeah. because people might judge you. Mm. But if you're in a, if you're in a, in a safe space and you have some privacy with you and your counsellor, you might want to touch on things that are more painful um, 
that need time to work through. So if you do find yourself, people are ignoring you uh, or, or they're feeling a bit uncomfortable because you're sharing too much, then maybe. Mm. Counselling can literally be one person talking about their problems and one person listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Alright, I have one more question um, for Luke as well. Um, so, how does exercise fit into your life? Mm. <laughs> the life of a, a future counsellor? Um, what does it do for you? Okay, so when I enter a gym, I enter it on many levels of my being. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel a bit emotional that day, and sometimes I just need a little relaxation and I'll do something a bit more mindful, like a workout that's a bit more mindful, gets me in my body, uh, and then later I can process those emotions a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I want to go to the gym to get big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really does depend. Um, so that's when I first came, that's why I first came here, I thought, I'm going to work through some emotions privately. Yeah. Um, move a bit, get in my, in my physical self, you know, feel just alive physically. Yeah. It's really pleasant. Um, but now, exercise for me is more Brazilian jiu-jitsu, more combat-based. Mm-hmm. And that is becoming a self-care routine, which is what I need to do as counsellor. Yeah. Counselors need stuff to keep them well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, um, I went there initially for self defence, you know, because I didn't feel very confident in more like kind of challenging areas around leads. Yeah. Uh, and that's since changed. Yeah. Now I do it for aligning my chemicals for the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps diminish stress and give me more space to absorb the good and the joy of life. Yeah. Um, and I love it. It's, yeah. it's like play for me. Yeah. It really engages my mind. So I'm actually moving away from the gym. Yeah. Um, that's something that I would do when I'm not on a student budget. Yeah. <laughs> probably in the future because I am aesthetically dri- driven. Yes, yes. But on a spiritual level, it feels nice to. I think you know after Christmas, you don't feel your belly. Yeah. You don't feel your abdomen. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of it kind of feels like you're a floating head. Yeah. And that's that's not that's not a good place to be sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so exercise can just make you feel like like a whole person physically again. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah relate to that. And I noticed there's a gym nearby here that has their hairdressers put in to that gym. <laughs> so I think we were talking about the possibility of maybe having a counselling room as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, we did oh, actually. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine like the room that we're in now is like a collaborative space for someone like yourself in the future when you are trained up to come in and, you know, I think this open is something that up. we need to make happen. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think after this podcast, we'll set up another talk yeah, where I mean, yeah. we'll put that forward. Yeah, for and sure. And we'll try and get some counselling space into the gym space because I think it is just so similar. Yeah. Um, and having a physio in the same building would be amazing. 
um, having a counsellor in the same building would be equally amazing because everyone's struggling with something and we can all work together to come up with those solutions yes. to those problems and I think on that point it's a good place to end yes absolutely but we'll definitely have to meet up again because just from this one episode there's already so much more that I want to discuss and absolutely. get into but we are short on time but definitely going to book more in the future absolutely. but for now um, people can find you and your journey as training as a counsellor on Instagram via Progress and Frontier is that right? yeah that's yeah. the one yeah, yeah. awesome <laughs> and then um, that page for you that's just mainly you putting out your studies and ideas out there about counselling is that right? absolutely yeah yeah sometimes um, it's stuff that inspires me that builds my practice yeah so I might read a book or I might watch a film or hear a life experience and I take the healing elements of that and I transform them into psychological tools. Yeah. Um, I might not present those psychological tools yet because I'm not qualified and that might be better in a counselling room yeah. during a session. But I put, I put quotes out there that might be a bit more um, meaningful than your average Facebook ones. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lovely. Okay, awesome. So that's Progress and Frontier if you want to check out Luke's journey. And then for now, um, we're going to rock out and then we'll be back next week with some more awesome topics about... Yeah. I can't, we haven't said it yet. No, not said, um, we've not said we've got a few ideas um, floating around that it might be. Um, so for anyone listening, it would really help us if you would give us a rating on the various mm -hmm. things you can listen to this through. Um, and subscribe. It, tell us subscribe as well then it'll help us get this message out to more people we're trying to do, talk to a diverse um, kind of guest rather than just getting the elite of fitness in there I think the more diverse guests we can get the better so if you like it give it a rating and we'll go from here yes and thank you so much Luke for coming on today thank, thank you it's been, awesome. been amazing yes and see you next week guys <laughs>